Judges chapter three, and let's look at verse one. And when we think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, like we mentioned a week ago, the resurrection of Christ is something that we can understand in theory. It's something that, yes, I believe that. That's part of my Christian faith. Uh, Yes, that's something I believe happened. But it doesn't become something personal in our life. It doesn't become something real until you and I have something die in our life. Uh, Something that is that doesn't come to pass, that, that our dreams were set on, or some major disappointment in our life. And at that moment, we experience the, the sadness, the separation, and the great disappointment <clears throat> that the disciples experienced just before the resurrection. And so when we think about the resu- resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of Christ is something that you and I don't experience until we are facing great disappointment and we're facing a tomb that's empty. And we're scratching our head, what happens? At that moment, the Holy Spirit wants to renew our minds and quicken us to understand what is the resurrection? What does it mean for us? We talked a little bit about that Wednesday night, but I want to look at Judges chapter 3 and verse 1 and verse 2. Interesting verses because resurrection, when Jesus rose from the dead, it had more to do with spiritual warfare than we realize. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus rising from the dead, conquering sin and death and ascending into the heavens. Like it says in Colossians chapter two, he ascended into heaven, Ephesians chapter four, where it says that he took cap, he took captivity. He led captivity captive and he and he took them out. And what I want to do here is I want to look at the resurrection and I want to talk about some practical things about spiritual warfare. Whenever we hear about spiritual warfare, the temptation is to think science fiction you know like these these movies that we've seen with these monsters and things like that like spiritual warfare is extremely it's very real and by the way the spiritual world that you and i live in angels god the the host of heavenlies the enemy of our soul satan and demons it's all very real and it's much more real than what we see today as the material world because at one point the material world will pass away god will Take it away, and all we will see, the curtain of the material will be pulled back, and we're going to see the host of heaven. We're going to see spiritual realities as, as they truly are. And so the spiritual warfare, when we think about spiritual warfare, I think, just my opinion, I could be wrong, I think many of us Christians don't understand what warfare is. And because when we're ignorant in warfare, that's when they're, that, is when we, um, that is when we are taken advantage of. Because we are either operating in one kingdom or the other. We're operating in the kingdom of God. Or, we're being, or when, even when we're passive and we're undecided, then the kingdom of Satan has an advantage in our life. And I'm not saying that we become demonic and we lose our salvation. But we can be influenced. Because the Christian, the born-again Christian, who is sealed by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 3 and the whole book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, t- tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And because we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, no other spirit can get in there. I truly believe that, and I believe that's what the Bible says. That when we are saved, we are born again. That is something that happens for eternity. And somebody say, well, you know, we can't believe that if you're born again, that, you know, you can't lose your salvation. Let me ask you a question, okay? Because I went through this as a teenager, and I really thought it through. If I could lose my, if, if, if a sin that I could do could unsave me, okay? It, you know, like when I was baptized and I was when I was baptized, I wasn't baptized in this church. I was actually baptized in a pretty crazy church, which later on we figured out was not the right place to get baptized. But I think I did it under the Lord as a 13 year old. 
But when I was baptized, I was told that now you are, you are born again. And now that you're born again, you can't sin. Because if you sin, it's all over, right? And I was 13. My brother was 12. And we get out to the car, right? And we, we just get into a fist fight in the back seat. We're just pounding on each other. We're just killing. Kill. I mean, those were the days when, you know, seats were, you know, the back seats of these Buicks, these... We had a Buick uh, station wagon, I think it was like a 1972 or something. One of these boats, you know. We're in the back just pounding on each other. When we finished, my dad mom came and broke up the fight. I realized, oh my gosh, I'm unsaved. <laughs> I'm going to hell. <laughs> and like, I just thought, you know what? That can't be right. Something inside of me told me that that can't be right. Right? You know? And so I started thinking about it as a, as a teenager. If there was something I could do to undo my salvation then that, 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 that brings extremely serious implications to about, not only about salvation, but the person of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you why. Number one, when Jesus said it is finished, right? If I could do something to unfinish it, that means Jesus was not telling us the absolute truth, right? If Jesus says it is finished and I could do something that could unsave myself, then at that moment, I could, that, then I could understand that. Well, Jesus wasn't saying something absolute for us. Number two, if Jesus is not speaking absolute truth, what does that mean? That Jesus is what? He's not God. Because God can't speak something that's not truth. And so if Jesus is not God, then number three, this whole Christianity, this whole thing that we call Christianity is a farce. And we're lost people. And that's why Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, if we do not believe in the resurrection, then we are of most men most miserable. There's no one else more miserable on this planet, no other religion that's more miserable than the Christian who doesn't understand the power of the resurrection in their life. Amen? Can I get an amen? Yeah. So I would say, okay, let's be a little, okay. It's okay if you'd like get a little excited in here. I'm okay with that. So amen, right? Like if you and I don't understand that you are born again, right, Franz? Like Delaney, like, like if you guys don't, if we don't understand, right, that we're born again by, by faith in Jesus Christ, right? In, in the words of Jesus, it is finished, right? What does that mean? We are really miserable people. We are really miserable people. And I know that Muslims sometimes and, and other people look at Christians that, and Jews that don't believe in the resurrection. And I think that they secretly think, I wish I could. Because we've had Muslims tell us that. I wish we could believe in the resurrection. That would be so great. But we can't. And so the resurrection here leads us into, and I can see I'm not going to get to everything on my notes here. But the resurrection leads us to a way of thinking that, that is really gives us the right perspective, amen, as a teenager, as a young person, as an older person, as a single person. And I think perspective is everything in warfare. And I want to talk about that for a second. If, uh, Judges chapter 3, verse 1, and it says this. It says that these are the nations that Yahweh left to test Israel by them. That is to test all those who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan, okay, in order that the generations of Israel would know war to teach those who had not experienced it before. And these verses should go, yeah, the, the, yeah. We'll get to that, Ephesians 2, 2 in a second. But if, Judges 3, verse 1 tells us that God allowed some of the nations in the promised land to stay that were enemies of Israel, okay? God allowed them to stay to teach them something. And what was that? Warfare. How to fight. And that's what God does in our life as a Christian, Amen. Like, when we get saved, God doesn't take all the demons out of our life. He doesn't take our old sin nature away. He doesn't remove us from the broken world that we live in. And actually, I remember when my dad got saved and 
And I was just a young, young, young Christian at the time. My dad got saved. I remember our life as a middle-class, comfortable American family turned into just, just a, war, a war zone. I mean, bombs were going off all over the place. And that's when a warfare started in our life. And that when you and I begin to uh, walk with God, you know what happens? Warfare can start. Don't be surprised. And you know what something is that there's three things I want to say here this morning. Number one, we need to learn warfare. Okay, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to learn warfare? Judges chapter three, verse one. God will allow circumstances in your life, amen, in your life so that you and I can learn how to, how to wage war. And that's why we need people in our life that are older in the Lord, right? That's why we need a pastor. That's why we need a teacher. That's why we need Bible school. That's why we need the body of Christ. You know, we're, I just love it. I'm gonna tell the story again, but we were last Wednesday. Was it last? Yeah, it was this one past Wednesday. We're out in one of the neighborhoods just doing some outreach and we went to this one door and it was like the last door that we were gonna knock on and we weren't gonna knock on this door. And, and, and we just walked over there, it was the last door. And I remember it was the door that, well anyway, I was a little intimidated to go to that door. So we went to the door, knocked on it and then Jamie walks to the door. And I look at Jamie and I'm like, wait a minute, I know you, where do we know you from? It's from the church because she'd been to our church once. And you know something? The devil wages war against us so that we would never live in an edification complex. Like we would not learn how to be edified. That we would not learn how to be encouraged. Amen? Amen, Pat? That's right, right? That the devil wants to, to, wants to, the devil wants to, to, to beat on us in the atmosphere. And we need to learn how to do warfare. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, do you guys know what that says? Okay, if you don't. Ephesians 6, verse 12 says this, that we do not wage against what? Our warfare is not what? Flesh and blood. Amen, right. Flesh and blood. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes we go to work and there's flesh and blood there, right? Right, Mike? <laughs> there's like, there's flesh and blood there, right? And we're like, okay, there's lots of flesh and blood. And it's like, we just start, you know, we just start, you know, we just pulling out. We're ready to go at it. And, and the Holy Spirit says, your warfare here at your workplace, in your home, is not what? People and their chemistry, all right? It's not flesh and it's not blood. And whenever we, and guys, I'm not a pro at this. And I'm sure I failed a hundred times this week in this. Is that we need to remember that whenever we engage with something that is just like not fun, there's warfare, especially if you're a believer. And you know what? Things will happen to you, and it may just seem like, okay, well, that just happens to everybody. But then there's a spirit behind it that just wants to charge the whole situation, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? It's like, well, normally this shouldn't be a problem for me. You know, I can usually get over this, right? But then there's like this spirit behind it. It's just like charging the whole thing. And you just feel like, wow, there's a lot of pressure in this circumstance. Why am I going out of my mind, right? Well, it's like, and it's because the devil, it's, it's not flesh and blood. The devil wants to charge things. Do you ever have a conversation with somebody and it's charged? It's like a normal conversation. It's like, well, we just need to take, a, take care of a detail, right? But one, of, one or two people are charged with something that's unseen, that's unspoken, it's not been communicated, and it's charging the conversation. You can just see the, you know, their face and their lips are trembling, and they're just angry. Their face is flushed. Why? Because what happens is, is that the devil wants to charge a circumstance. And this is why you and I, and this is such an important message today. This is so important. 1 John 4, verse 1. What does it say? It says this. It says, discern the spirit. Believe not every spirit, right? Amen? Don't believe everything. Test the spirits. Be discerning. 
just say, okay, everybody may be saying, oh, well, you know, that's, that's God. God is moving. And I don't say be cynical and jaded. I'm just saying, let's, just stop. let's not dive right in. Uh, Acts 17, verse 11, talks about the, the, Berean, the Bereans. And these were a group of people that Paul was discipling. That they would listen to what Paul's saying. And I would expect you guys to do this with me, okay? You guys as the congregation here, you know? When I read a verse or something and I say something, I want you to go to the scripture and I want you to ask God, like, is that really so? And that's what the Bereans did. Because guys, I'm flesh and blood and I can make a mistake. And if I do, if I ever say something that's not from the Bible, just say, hey, pastor, we love you, but <laughs> that's not biblical. Do it privately, okay, at first. But it's like, you know, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm accountable to the Bible, right? Amen. And if the Bible doesn't say that, then, then it's my personality. It's flesh and blood. And we don't want flesh and blood preachers, do we? We don't want flesh and blood um, service in the, in the church. And what happens is, is that when we, when we forget that it's flesh and blood, then we start living blind. And we're not dis- we lose our discernment. We lose our discernment. Remember, every word behind every word, every circumstance, there's a spirit behind it. And it's the spirit of God. And I don't want us to go witch hunting and become like, lose our minds because we're just, because God has made us physical creatures for a reason. But it's like when, when something is said, just test the spirit. Like what's the spirit of that, you know? What's the spirit of the relationship? What's the spirit of the church, you know? And if it's not the right spirit, like Catherine was telling me today, like we were just, we're practicing and she just said, you know, I said, it's like if it's anointed, it's okay however it comes out, right? Because I was worried about some chord, some chord combination. And she's, you know what, if it's just, if it's anointed, you know, God will bless it. It's, it's awesome. It doesn't matter. I think, it's, I think what we want to do, amen, is to discern the spirits. And I think a teenager, a 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid, a 13-year-old kid can discern. I know they can discern. So we need to learn warfare. We need to learn warfare. And that our, war, that our warfare is not flesh and blood. And we need to be reminded of that. Number two, the nature of our warfare is aerial. Okay? It's in the air. And forgive me that I always just bring up this conflict in Ukraine, but it's just something I read a lot about and we have people that we love there that are just in danger all the time and one of the things that they're asking for in Ukraine is is air support you know can they just cover the air you know can they just cover the air so that the bombing and all this stuff could stop because when there is air when there's air when we understand the importance of air control like air support um, covering covering making sure that there's air dominance If we can understand that, then we have absolute perspective in warfare. And this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. And it says this. It says, it's the second part of the verse. According to the ruler of the authority of the air. What that means is this. It's talking about our life before Christ in Ephesians chapter 2. And then then later on it talks in that chapter about our life in Christ. And you know something? Our enemy, the enemy of your soul, functions in the air. Okay, he's the prince of the power of the air. His authority lies in the air, the unseen atmosphere between us. And what we said on Monday, uh, Wednesday night here is that when you and I have a thought, that thought always translates and affects the air around us, right? How many of you put on some kind of cologne or whatever? When I was a kid, we used to call it smell good. <laughs> put some smell good on you before you go out. You know, and you, and you meet people and you shake their hands and are you, and you're in their presence, you're in their air zone, and you can smell something nice, right? Our thought life is the same way. That the way you and I think is going to affect the air around us. The way I think about somebody else in the church. 
is going to is going to affect the air that that person experiences when I'm around them, right? You ever get negative vibes? What we call all these different things, vibes or whatever. It is because every thought, because your brain, your mind, your soul, is an incredible is an incredible seat of authority. And I want to talk about that in a second. If we could understand the authority that you have as a teenager, Delaney, right, or James, or any of you guys here, that the authority that you have as a young as a young girl, as someone as a teenager, and, the, and that the way you think about circumstances affects the atmosphere around you, right? Do you ever some, have someone come up to you and say? Hey, you're different. I can just tell you're different. And, you, and they say that to you even before you say anything or you do anything. We've had neighbors say that to us. And I thought it was just because I look like a Yankee or something. You know? Because the nature of our warfare is aerial. And it means this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 is that the devil who lives in the air, who functions in the air, he traffics air. He traffics information in the air. Let me give you an example. How many of you have Wi-Fi in your house? Raise your hand, right? Okay, when you walk into your house, do you feel your Wi-Fi? Some people do, actually, but not many. Um, do you feel your Wi-Fi? Do you feel the Wi-Fi signal? No, you don't, right? It's something unseen. It's something that's unfelt. Here's another question. When you're, when you're, in, your, when you're in your house and there's Wi-Fi there, are you, getting, like, are, you, are, you, are you starting to imagine numbers and information and pictures in your head? No, you're not. But your phone is. Your phone is. And your iPad is. And your computer is. Why? Because there's something in that tech that, that takes the Wi-Fi signal and decrypts it, and it can read the digital information that's being sent through it. And that's happening on the invisible spatial location. So what I'm talking about here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, is not science fiction. That we have an atmosphere around us. We have an electromagnetic field. If you study uh, quantum physics and don't, okay, our pastor's gone new age. No, that's not happening. We, like, we are our body, <laughs> amen? Our body is a body that has an electro, electronic, has elect, electromagnetic field. And, and, and what the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 is a field of faith. It's a shield of faith. And when you and I are built up in Christ, that shield is strong, right? And things don't bother us so much. And things that people say or text messages that we get doesn't bother us. But there's this air in, 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 that's around us. And there's information spiritually that's, that's passing through this air to a modem in our brain. And there's a part of our brain that can, that can take these vibrations. I think it's called the hypothalamus. If I'm wrong, please don't stone me. But it's this part of your brain that reads all of this information and decrypts it. And it puts it into your brain in an understandable way. And so what the devil wants to do is he wants to have air superiority in your life, in your atmosphere around your house, in your home. When you're by yourself or when you're with people, when you're at work, at your desk, and he wants to have air superiority. So he'll do all these things all the time. Like, you know, we were at Kim's house last night with Gosha and I, and right across the street, there's all this loud, loud music, right? The devil's always, always trying to create air superiority in your life. And these are what, and when he does have that air superiority, what he does is that we know this in Ephesians chapter six, he will send what is called flaming arrows. Right? These fiery darts, the King James calls it. And the fiery darts come. And do you guys remember the, what a fiery dart was in the Roman, during the Roman times? A Roman soldier would have a fiery dart. This was a special small arrow that could be shot generally at, small, at short distances. And some of them would be on fire. Some of them would just have poison on them. And some of, the, some of them would have like this tar on it that would just be burning as it's flying through the air. 
And if it gets lodged in you, if it gets into your skin, even if you take it out, it's still burning and there's poison there. And if it's not treated immediately and, and isolated and removed, then you die a slow, painful death. This is what Paul is referring to, these fiery darts that Satan sends. Now, we call them, we, we call them in our church projections. And let me give you another illustration, okay? When we were singing, right, we had the lyrics right up there, right? And our computer back there, which is a new computer, is connected to, and don't worry if you don't get this, but, and David's doing a great job back there. He's waving. We have this computer back there. What it does is it, it connects to a device up there wirelessly, and it's sending information from the computer to the wireless device up there that captures the information invisibly, converts it to a visual and audio format, and then you see, you see lyrics up there, and you can hear music sometimes, right? This is what this is doing, and this is what happens to you and I, is that we, if we are not careful, we don't understand warfare, then what will happen is, is that we're going to walk around and we're going to receive these projections from the air. And our brain's going to decrypt it, translate it, and we're going to actually see things. We're going to, I mean, I'm not talking about physical things, but we're going to actually have thoughts and we're going to have words in our head that maybe nobody ever said. And these are things that are just subjective, like, okay, so I know she doesn't like me. You know, well, they, you know, they didn't shake my hand and, you know, that means that they're angry at me. And, you know, I, you know and, and you know how somebody can come to you and say, you know, I know you've been offended at me for the last six months. And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm not offended at you. Like, I've never even thought that, you know. Somebody said that, like, you know, sometimes when I'm, you know, when I'm focusing on something, I look angry. And I'm not. I'm just focusing. And these subjective thoughts that come into our mind, what the devil wants to do <clears throat> is he's looking for a place in your soul. And remember, he doesn't have access to dwell in your soul, but he wants to attack it. And he's looking for things in your mind that we have not surrendered to the cross. You know, unforgiveness, lust, or, or something that I want. Out. And that's what lust is. It's desiring something outside of God's perfect will for your life. And it's something that I want that I've not surrendered to the cross. Maybe there's something I truly, truly want in my life. I need to surrender to that to the cross and say, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. I give you the veto rights. Every relationship that you have, every decision that you that you make in your life, it needs to surrender to the cross, okay? And when we don't do that, there's a place in Ephesians 4, verse 27, that we've marked off for the devil. We say, you know what? Hey, I'm gonna follow God in all these areas of my life, but this little area over here is just my private little area that I have the right to enjoy because I'm such a good, disciplined Christian, right? We all have thought that way, I know. And when we do that, the devil will send projections to that. Suppose like there's a wound in my life that I've never allowed to cross to heal, right? I've never allowed the word of God to heal that. And what will happen is the devil's just going to keep shooting at that. Like, suppose I've been wounded. I'm some, okay, maybe, maybe I've been hurt by a church, by a pastor or something like that, right? And if I never get that healed in my life, and all of us, eventually, that's going to happen to us. Because the church is a group of individuals that are saved by grace, that'll sometimes fall down and, and and, and God forbid that it be a pastor that does it because he represents God and the shepherd heart of Christ. And, and that's something that truly we, we would pray that never happens. But if something happens that we're offended and we don't allow that offense to get healed, you know what will happen? Everywhere I go, every pastor I meet, every authority figure I meet, every person I meet that 
in some way represents God is going to, I'm going to have this space in my mind avail, open, like, and the devil's going to send thoughts to that, like, you know what? He's judging you. Or he doesn't like, or you, he doesn't think you're measuring up. He doesn't think you're a good Christian or whatever, whatever it is. And so the devil will send projections to these little areas that we've marked off for the devil, right? All right, are you guys following me? I want to wrap it up here with this, is that the nature of our warfare is aerial. He sends projections through the air. And if we don't take up our cross, and this is so important, I think women, like, you know, women, especially women, I'm not picking on the girls today, but remember Eve in the garden? Who did Satan go after? He went after Eve, right? Women need a covering in their life. They need a covering. They need, you know, if you're single and you're living with your family, then your dad is your covering. Your mom is your covering. And if you're in a church and you're not, and you're not you know, you're not, I almost said born again and saved, but if you're not married, if you're not married, then the church is your covering. Jesus Christ is your head and he's your covering. And he's, and the body of Christ is your covering. And if we don't have the cross, if we don't take up our cross, we may be well-meaning and, and even sentimental, but we're going to be ignorant of warfare and we're going to say things that are not inspired by God. Case in point, Matthew chapter 16 Remember, verses 22 and 23? Here's Peter, right? Peter, it's like Peter had just hit a home run and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And, and, and Jesus says, Peter, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, but my father, which is in heaven, has revealed this even unto you. And all the disciples are like, you know, clapping. Well, and Peter's like, yeah, I knew I had it, you know? 30 seconds later, Jesus is talking about his, he needs to go to the cross and die. And he's gonna suffer many things at the hands of, 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 of evil men. And so Peter being in this, this status of just being like, I'm, I'm favored of Christ and Jesus just gave me this big kudos. He's not guarding his heart. And then he says, oh, Jesus, be, far, be it far from you that you would go to the cross and suffer these things. You don't deserve that. You're a great guy. We're going to protect you. I'm, gonna bring, I'm bringing my sword with me. I'm going to cover you. And, and Jesus, what does he do? He turns around. And he says to Peter, and by the way, in the Eastern culture, even in, in Poland and Eastern Europe, when you turn your back on somebody, maybe I'm not so much in this culture here, but even if you're at a table eating and your back is towards, I mean, maybe in Texas it is, Texas it is this way, but if your back is towards someone, it's very offensive. And when you're talking to somebody with your back towards them, it's, it's very offensive. And Jesus turns around his back to, to Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Wow. If you and I are not careful, especially after success, especially after great victories in our life, we have to be careful. We have to live in discernment and try the spirits and not jump on things so quickly. Because if we're not careful, we're not taking up our cross, we may be well-meaning and sentimental. Sentimentality is just love without a cross. It's mushy, it's I love you, it's hugs, it's wonderful, personality appreciation, but it's, it, 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 it precedes betrayal. And so Jesus turns around and he, and he calls it out. He doesn't call Peter Satan, you know, because God has a plan for, 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 for Peter. Our warfare is, is aerial. It's, it's in the air. And then lastly, I want to say this, is that God has, God gives us that air superiority. Jesus Christ gives it to us. And I want us to look in Ephesians chapter one, and I don't think we have time to read this all, but Ephesians chapter one, verses 19 through 23 I'm just going to read it out to you here. And it says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power? And this is in reference to the resurrection. And this is why the resurrection, this is why Easter a week ago was so important for us. 
the greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty strength, which he has worked in Christ, raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, above all rule and authority and power and lordship. We see those words in Ephesians chapter six in reference to warfare. And every name named, and not only in this age, but also in the coming one. Verse 22, and, he, and this is where it gets practical for you and I, and this is how our Mondays are changed. And he subjected all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to who? The good people, the saints, right? Those, those holy, no, the church, the church, which is what? His body and the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. When Jesus ascended, and get this, in Acts 1.1, his eternal reign began over all his enemies, spiritual enemies, over Satan, over the demons, over the principalities and the powers of the air. Jesus took air superiority. When he, wrote, when he ascended through the he ascended through the atmosphere. You know what he's doing? He's ascending. And as the disciples see him ascend in, in Acts chapter 1, they're seeing him there. And actually, they're watching him go up. And why is that significant? Because... And it's not because heaven is just above the clouds. Jesus is making a statement to the atmosphere, to the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2, verse 2, saying that you cannot keep this man down. You cannot keep Jesus down. And there's now a new prince of the power of the air. There's a new, there's a new authority of the air, and that's Jesus Christ. He is now the new. He gives us air superiority. And Peter said this in his epistle, in 1 Peter chapter. Uh, chapter 3, verse 22, he says that who is at the right hand of God, Jesus Christ, having gone into the heaven with angels and authorities and powers, having been, having been subjected to him. Friends, the atmosphere is now subjected to Jesus Christ, to the words of Christ. When God says something to you, and that's why when you were, we're in a funky situation and the air is kind of weird and we don't know what's going on and, and we don't even know how to address it. Sometimes if we just say a Bible verse. Just you say a Bible verse, quote the word, just say something from God, just say something from God's mind. You know what that does? It changes the atmosphere. It'll change it because there's a higher authority speaking than what the atmosphere is saying. And this is so important. We've got to understand how this is. John chapter one, verse 12. And this is a verse that we can read together. But as many has received him to those who believe in his name, he gave them authority, the right to become children of God. I think about this verse all the time. How many times do we live our life under the, the, under the dominion of the atmosphere and we're just thinking the thoughts that the devil's sending and we're just beating ourselves up, we're condemning ourselves and we're just living in our past and we're just living in something that, that is so subjective that is, that is not from the mind of God. Because if the Holy Spirit wants to convict us of something, just remember this, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is always edifying. It's encouraging, it builds us up. It never tears you down. Jesus never destroyed the dignity of a human being, even when they were in the midst of failure. John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. He is speaking to her as a human, as a dignified individual. And Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I know there's a lot of verses here, but and sometimes it's good to take notes, you know, because there's some verses here that you can look at later. When Jesus ascended, we too, in a sense, ascended with him because we're associated with Christ. The whole book of Ephesians says... We are in Christ. We are in Christ and in Christ. And I want to close with an illustration. And I heard this before. Maybe you've heard it, but I like it. 
And you know, like, when you look at the, I think it's the Mexican flag, but I know there's a symbol in Mexican history. There's an eagle that's kind of flying down and it's grabbing a snake. Have you ever seen that? Okay, you know what the story means? But You know what the story is behind that? I don't know what the story is behind that. I think it's some Indian prophecy, whatever. But I, thought, I saw it the other day and I thought of this, I saw this story. Is that an eagle does not fight the snake on the ground. You know what? The, the, the eagle never fights the snake on the ground. You know why? Because the eagle has tactical advantage in the air. It does. And what it does is it'll grab the snake with its talons. And I don't know if you've ever seen this done. And it grabs it. And this snake is like, you know, when he's on the ground, he's powerful. He's wise. He's, he's, he's crafty. And he could probably take out something like an eagle. But he grabs the, he grabs the, the eagle will grab the snake and he'll start to, he'll, he'll change the battleground. He'll change the environment. And then what he'll do is he'll fly way up in the air. And in the air, the eagle has no, has no stamina. He has no power. He has no balance. He has, no, he has nothing to, to hold on to. And in the air, the snake is useless, it's weak, and it's vulnerable. That's what Jesus Christ has done with our enemy. When you start feeling the thoughts of depression coming, or when you start feeling those thoughts of temptation coming that want to come and, over, and hijack you and I, let just begin to take up wings like eagles, wait on the Lord, and let him lift you up. Let him renew your mind in the, in the scripture. And it's okay to cry out to the Lord and say, you know what, I'm weak. It's okay, God, I'm weak. You've got to help me. Be merciful unto me in this temptation. Because if you're not, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead meat. And this is what we see happens in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34. And it says this. I love this verse, and I, I want to read it to us at the end. And it's about the Hall of Famers in verse 33. It says, it begins that verse 33. It, it begins with, who through faith? How do we overcome the atmosphere? How do we grab that snake, those projections? How do we pull out those darts? How do we protect ourselves from those darts? Walking by faith. Walking by faith. You got it? There's only one thing you, you can remember in this message. Take steps of faith in your life. You get up in the morning, you don't feel great. You feel guilty. You feel like whatever. I don't know. Take a step of faith in the love of God. And say, what God is for me. God is with me. He has overcome. The, he has taken my sins and separated me from my sins. From as far as the east is from the west. Take a step of faith in the word of God. And when we do that, verse 34, it says this. Talks about these people. They were made strong from weakness. They became mighty in battle. And they put to flight enemy battle lines. I love that. They take enemy battle lines and they, and they put them to flight. When you and I take steps of faith in our life, when there's no reason to walk by faith, somebody may say, well, you don't deserve that. Amen. I don't deserve anything. It's all by grace in my life. You know something? We can pray like this, God. I know I don't deserve this answer, but you are gracious and you're merciful. And I'm asking you for this. I'm asking for victory. And I'm asking for help in this area. I know that there's been wrong in my life in the past, but I'm asking you to, to rectify something for your glory. And when you do that, when you take steps of faith, you're grabbing that snake, you're grabbing that poisonous dart and you're, and you're lifting it up into the air and it has no power there because Jesus now is the prince of the... He, is now, he has now given us air superiority. We can be renewed in the spirit of our minds and we can think on things above. And if we're not in the word, and that's why we have Bible school here. People may think, well, you know, Bible school. I know the Bible. I grew up with the Bible. It's like if we're not in the word, you know, if we're not in the word intentionally on a daily basis, I, we're, we're going to be fighting battles that we don't necessarily, God's going to be like, I don't know why you're fighting that battle because it's all right here. Just be in the word and think with God. 
And if we're not in the word on a daily basis, if I'm not receiving, you know, personal relationship first, right? And I enjoy social media, all these posts and Bible verses. I like that. But my relationship with God comes from my personal relationship with the Bible. And this is where it's got to start. And it's, it's got to start here. Because if I don't hear from God here, then I'm going to be pushed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And I'm going to be living in insecurity. Walk by faith. Be in the word. Let's be intentional about it. Because when we do that, we function in air superiority. And we have the tactical advantage over the enemy. Amen? Amen. Let's close. Father, we